0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Alright, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Now normally, this is a wrestling podcast done by me, a wrestling fan who still enjoys wrestling. I feel like I've been more critical lately than uh, than usual but but still the reason this podcast exists is because it's a wrestling fan that still enjoys wrestling that's me and I get psyched to talk about wrestling but this week we're not going to talk about wrestling it's only going to be about the election and what happened on Tuesday night and if you support Hillary Clinton I'm just kidding <laughs> how mad would you have been how upset would you have been if you just downloaded this and you're like wait what no This is your election escape. This is your escape. Who needs to hear more election coverage? No, there's wrestling to talk about, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Although, I think this week in the state of wrestling, I will bring up the implication that a Donald Trump presidency has on WWE. We're not getting political. Why? Because that's why pro-wrestling exists. It's times like this, whether you're for, anti, Republican, Democrat, British, I don't care. Canadian. Doesn't matter. Pro wrestling exists for times like this. When really, having an escape isn't the worst thing in the world. Even if you're having the time of your life right now, even if everything you want to be happening is happening, it's still nice to be able to turn on wrestling and have James Ellsworth there to take all of your fears away, all of your concerns, all of your stresses. That's what wrestling's all about. And we're going to talk about wrestling. Uh, We got the state of wrestling coming up, of course. My guest this week, another lady, the Sasha Banks interview, which I'm pretty proud of. I really enjoyed doing that, is up on YouTube, by the way. The entire interview from last week, I got to catch up with Sasha Banks two days before Hell in a Cell. We sat down. We talked about everything that's been going on. The interview is almost an hour long. And the entire interview is up at YouTube.com slash NotSam as well as NotSam.com. If you followed Not Sam on Twitter, you would have already known that by now. But watch the whole interview. Put it up on a big screen TV. Um, My buddy Derek, who's one of the producers for Jim Norton and Sam Roberts, put the video together, and he did an amazing job. So enjoy it. Uh, We have another female, though, on the podcast this week. The legendary Lillian Garcia is my guest. Now, Lillian uh, spent 15 years... As a WWE ring announcer, and is a voice that I think is only second to Howard Finkel in terms of being synonymous with WWE. I think a whole generation grew up on WWE sounding like Lillian Garcia's voice. Uh, Lillian has been involved in gimmicks, she's been involved in controversies, she's been a part of everything friendship with The Rock, she's gotten to see uh, uh, many different uh, uh, eras. Of pro wrestling over all the years that she was a part of wwe and in august of this year she left wwe to take care of her sick dad her dad uh, got cancer and it was not good and so she decided to get off the road get out of that crazy wrestling circus again and just hunker down at home and spend time with her dad. So that's what she's been doing. But I saw her over the weekend. I was at a party that was thrown by Maria Menunos and her fiancé, Kevin Undergaro, who hosts The Tomorrow Show at thetomorrowshow.com as well as T V. He's the creator of that entire platform. Um, and I saw her at this party, and she told me about stuff that she had in the works. She's entering the world of podcasting, and I think that's great for Lillian because I think that for a long time. Lillian, I think, is a very popular figure in the world of pro wrestling, and I think there's a lot of people that are interested in her. I know every time I've interviewed her, because I've interviewed her a few times for the XM show, uh, I think one of them's on YouTube, uh, people have always been very, very interested. I mean, the YouTube video interview that I've done with her has a ton of hits on it, and uh, she doesn't do a lot of interviews, and I think people are just genuinely curious about who she is, what she's like, so... When I heard she was doing that, I said, you got to get on my podcast and tell the folks. Tell the wrestling fans about it. I'll, I'll lead you directly to them. I am the Pied Piper of internet marks. Actually, probably not internet marks. Probably just typical marks. I think the internet marks think that I'm too much of a shill. Either way, a lot of wrestling fans. I like talking to the wrestling fans. I like exposing wrestling fans to new cool wrestling fan stuff because that's what I am. I'd be interested in somebody telling me about Lillian Garcia's podcast So I said let me take on that responsibility And tell my wrestling friends Here at Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast About Lillian Garcia's podcast uh, And about what she's been up to And about her life in WWE uh, I, I, I really enjoyed The chance uh, to catch up With her and talk to her about her career And what she's been up to now And I wanted to share that with you This week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast My guest is Lillian Garcia and now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast Interview. And let's welcome to the podcast my old friend Lillian Garcia. Lillian, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. It's been a little while. Yeah, it has,
1: except for it was really nice to see you at um, Kevin and Maria Menounos' party Saturday night.
0: That was amazing, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. When I saw you, I was like, oh my God, I have to say hi to my friend Sam. It was- So good to
0: talk to you. Well, I'm glad you did. And we got to kind of talk about uh, all the stuff that you have going on. Uh, First of all, um, you left the WWE in August. uh, And I think uh, a lot of people found out uh, because your dad was sick. And you had to yes, you wanted to get off the road and take care of him for a while, which is a pretty noble thing. How is your dad?
1: Well, you know, this is a man that is defying all odds. Um, I have to say, I mean, he is he's weak. He's definitely not the father that I grew up with, the strong military man, uh, you know, the colonel. But it is a man that is fighting for life every day. I mean, he still forces himself to get up. He still wants to shave. He wants to do things on his own as much as he can. And that's just really on inspiring for me. And uh, my sister and I both realized like we've been you know, doing a lot of praying, and my mom and everybody's been praying a lot. And then we went, wait a minute, like, we're already in the miracle stage, because we've been praying for a miracle. And we realized that we're already in that miracle stage, because all doctors thought that he would not be here by now. And um, the fact that he is the fact that he's coherent, that's the biggest blessing uh, to me that he, you know, we talk every day that he knows who I am, that he's just Oh my gosh, he was completely engulfed in the political, you know, in politics and what happened, and and all. Of that. And I think that kept him going there too. <laughs> so I was very grateful for that. Every day, I'd put it on, and you know, we'd be going back and forth and having amazing conversations about it. And um, so that was really big. And so now my my we're going to be decorating for Christmas this week and just doing things to to keep them um excited about, you know, what's up next and what's happening. And, and now it's like, okay, well, now we got to see how this all plays out. And, you know, and that's, um, I think it's been, it's been, it's been, there's been a lot of silver linings. And as hard as it was for me to step away from the WWE it was actually 100% the right thing to do. I've been so, uh, I'd, I'd say, blessed with the opportunity to take care of this man and be a caretaker every day. And, and with my sister as well, um, you know, having more time with her, she comes and, you know, he's been living with my husband and I, both my parents have now for seven months.
2: Wow! And
1: yeah, as hard as that's been at times, I mean, cause that's a whole adaption process. You know, I haven't lived with my parents since I was like 18 years old, <laughs> you know, um, and now they're living with me. <laughs> they will return. But but there's been such a closeness and there's going to be um you know I, I we my husband and i talk about this as much as there's been an an adapting process of living together there's also going to be a whole adaptation process of what happens after you know if 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 indeed he goes first or you know because you never know
0: yeah and i you mean, never it, know. it's but you're right it is kind of a blessing that you get to have the opportunity to plan that and talk about it and figure it out because most people it can just hit them like a ton of bricks and they're not ready yeah it's it's pretty healthy actually to be at this place where you realize that every day is a day that you weren't supposed to get so right now it's all it's all like bonus time
1: total bonus time and i think that you know, I was, I was talking with a friend of mine that lost her father. I mean, he went in on Monday to the hospital, and he was gone by Friday of that same week. Wow. I know. And I think of that, and I go, oh, my gosh. I don't know if that, I could have handled that. And I asked her, I was like, how did you handle that? She said, you know what? I know my father, and he would not have been up for the long road of being sick. So for our family, it was a blessing. And then she lost her mom. Like within two weeks, as well, like a year later. So I was just like, "Whoa!" I mean, she's lost both parents within the year, and um, and then lost them so quick. But for her, she said it was a blessing because she didn't know how she could have handled that long road. For me, I think it's like I said in my whole time of family, as hard as it's been, because you don't want to see your loved ones start deteriorating. It's yeah. been really hard, but we're really focused on the um. You know, we're watching these movies together and having amazing conversations and I'm, I'm finding things out about him and as, as a kid and, and these stories that I, we just never even thought of asking, you know, and talking to him. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a terrific blessing and then dad now, um, you know, we talk to you about these shows that I'm getting ready to do and he's just so excited for me and, and it's just every day going, okay, so, so what happened to me? And, you know, and who are you going to have as a guest? And, you know, all these things. So <laughs> it's really cool.
0: <laughs> How did he, uh, did, did your parents, uh, they must have, follow along your, your 15-year journey into pro wrestling? Oh, gosh, yes. How so did...
1: I even got into wrestling mm-hmm. because of my dad. I mean, I watched it on my dad. For some reason, I started watching with my dad and my my sister would go with my mom to the other room, to the other TV, and they would watch whatever shows that they... They just weren't into wrestling. But my dad was into it, and I started watching it and just fell in love with it. <laughs> to, I mean, we... And I remember being a kid, yelling at the TV at Ric Flair, and I couldn't believe the things that he was saying with, you know, Mean Gene and, and his backstage interviews and what he was out there doing and... I'll never forget that in, um, surprised me one day, and he was like, we're going somewhere. I'm like, we are? He's like, yeah, we're going to go somewhere. I'm taking you somewhere. I'm like, okay. So we go to the Township Auditorium in Columbia, South Carolina. I had already moved from Spain to Columbia, and um, we go to the Township Auditorium, and all of a sudden, I'm watching WWE, and I'm watching Andre the Giant, and all these guys that I... Group, I mean, that I was watching with him, and we were watching at a live event, and it, and was, it a, was But incredible. it was a
0: WWF show? It wasn't just like a local promotion? No, it was
1: a WWF show, oh, yeah. That's amazing.
0: That's amazing. I know. Do you remember uh, having a, a, a favorite or anything growing up?
1: Well, that's what, I mean, I just, what if I remember what the three names that come to mind uh, when I was a kid watching was Ric Flair... Andre the Giant, and Blackjack Mulligan.
0: Blackjack Mulligan. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know why those three just really hit me. And, I mean, I should be, you know, surprised, but I'm just saying they really hit me. And um, and then I'll never forget when Rick Flair, so I started with the WWE, and Rick Flair was at WCW, so they hadn't come over yet. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, they come over, and I'm working for the company. And I find out that I'm ring announcing that night. And it happened to be um, somewhere that mom and dad were close by. I think it was North Carolina, I believe. Anyway, they came to the show. And I looked at dad and I went, okay, is this crazy or what? I said, dad, I'm about to introduce somebody that I was watching as a kid because you got me into wrestling. And now you're about to meet him backstage. (laughs) And that's what happened. He got to meet Ric Flair. And then I got to introduce Ric Flair. Like I was. It just it's really insane how things line up in your in your life and happen. And I was just supposed to be in wrestling, and boy, I mean, what an amazing career I had there!
0: Yeah, 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 it was amazing. And and I don't think you know, there's really not that many people. There's a few people, you know, I guess like the the big shows and the Mark Henrys and maybe the Chris Jericho's of the world, but very few people. Maybe the Undertaker got a run. As long as you did, and you know, got to interact with as many different people as you did. What was it like while you were there, watching kind of the transfer of power? Because you're somebody who, in the beginning of your career, when you were doing backstage interviews, uh, you know, was were somewhat responsible for some of the more famous rock interviews and the and the people <laughs> strudel. Um, yeah. <laughs> and to go from that to the uh, to that kind of transitional period and then after that, the John Cena era and watching it all go down, what is it like in those transitional moments when kind of that old guard starts to go away and the new guard hasn't quite been cemented yet?
1: You know, it's, it's funny that you asked me then and I'll tell you exactly when it hit me. So when you're there, Sometimes you don't notice it. You know, sometimes when you're in the bubble, and for example, I'm going to give you an example. When you see a a child, a a friend of yours has a kid, and you see this kid, and you're like, oh, my God, it's so cute, what, three years old or something. Then you don't see that child for, I don't know, two or three more years. You all of a sudden go, oh, my gosh, this child is grown. But that parent goes, really? Why? Because they live it every single day, so they don't really get to see that, you know, have the dramatic thing moment of seeing that child really you know go from being little to to growing up with me same thing kind of happened so the changing of you know wrestlers and all that continuously happened little by little and so I didn't really get to feel that except for so I had these cheat sheets that I would make up with all the wrestlers weights and the towns and all and it was the I would keep them all so I would make new ones and then I would fix them, you know, uh, update them, I should say, as new wrestlers would come in, and I would keep them and in my little notebook that you always saw me at ringside have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, my binder, my black binder, and um, and by the way, I put that on my lap a lot of times because I didn't want the camera to go <laughs> looking <laughs> up. looking at my skirt so was, when I didn't have a barricade in front of me. It was dual so purpose. A lot of times, yeah, so I would always have it on my lap, so you you know, now I always had that thing there. <laughs> but, um, but it was funny, that. I started pulling out some of those old spreadsheets and I looked at them and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's all new people. Like there would be just trickles of, you know, the same people throughout, but just trickle. It, that's when you could, I could really see the changing of the guard and of the, you know, how often the superstars started evolving and changing. And that's when it hit me. So yeah, I mean, I was like, my gosh, I lived, I lived through the Attitude Era, then I lived through the John Cena Era, then I lived through the—I'll uh, never forget the, um, yeah, you know, what I forget the—I um, forget the the name of it when, when Stephanie McMahon and Triple H started that whole new era. Yeah, before the... NXT.
0: Oh, I don't. I, and they I...
1: called it. Remember, they called it. They called it something. and you Now it escapes me. And then, of course, um you know, NXT came around and, and then when I, and this is something always hit me too, because I left after having, you know, 10 year run. I left for two years when I came back, all of a sudden I was like, Oh man, this, this cheat is going to be completely all different again, except for just a few. Yeah. So yeah, it it is incredible how it
0: just keeps evolving. That's so funny. And, 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 we, when you were there, because I guess the the first run, before you left for a couple years, the first run would have been how long? Well,
1: the first run that I left, well, I mean, I did 10 years straight. 10 years, uh, right. On Monday Night
0: Raw. So, yes. like, so did it boggle your mind that, like, okay, I'm assuming when you're there for 10 years, day in, day out, for, you know, Monday in, Monday out, um, that... You don't see these dramatic changes like we talked about. It's just one day you looked at your notebook and you were like, oh, these are all new people. Whereas you go away for two years, which is a fifth of the time that you were gone. And that's when it really hits you how quickly evolving everything is. Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. And then the same thing is I used to do both Raw and SmackDown. And so then, remember, there was a time that it was like, okay, you know, before this time now, there was a time It was like, you're either on one show or the other show, and you only see each other for, like, the big pay-per-views, and so I would show up at some of those big pay-per-views, and all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, there's all these new people backstage <laughs> that I don't even know.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Did, so, did, yeah, it is incredible.
0: Did you become good at, like, because you were there, you you saw pretty much every major match at ringside, all the TV and pay-per-view matches anyway for a yeah. period of time. Did you ever develop a real eye for spotting, okay, there's the next guy, there's the next guy, or was that never your thing?
1: I could totally feel it. And I even felt, I it's almost like I was so lucky sitting at ringside, you know, front of the front row. I mean, seriously, I got paid for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, what happened is, is that I got to feel it like the fans did. And I will say that I definitely feel like the fans have a pulse for sure on, you know, the the company could try to push somebody. my gosh, they could try to push somebody, but the fans are the ones that ultimately are like, no, or yes, or, you know, I feel it like you, or I don't feel it like you. And there would be some guys that I'm like, I don't know why I'm not getting over. And I wanted to tell them so badly. I feel like I could tell you as a fan, because I'm sitting there and I'm feeling it from the energy all right. around me. I feel like I can tell you. And some of the guys, I was, I was forthright saying, Hey guys, would you mind me kind of like letting you know maybe what I'm feeling? You know, what I'm sensing and sitting out there like a fan. Some of the guys were amazing at saying, absolutely, please, anything you can do to help, you know, whatever. And then there's some that I could feel that, you know, I can't even have this conversation. So I just kind of, you know, totally stayed away and um, and didn't, you know, because sometimes it, it can be iffy as to well, who do you think you are. And it's not like right. I'm trying to say that I know anything, but I could just say that, hey, I'm just giving you my two cents as a, as a real fan of this product and Feeling the energy that's around me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like I, 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 I get that. Like, I would never approach somebody like a, a professional wrestler and give them advice because I've never right. stepped in the ring. But at the same time, I've watched a lot. You know what I mean? So I do. Mm-hmm. You do feel like it, and and you, you do come from a place of a certain expertise, just because years and years of wrestling have happened right in front of your face, and you've seen what works. And what doesn't work is can you give me an example of somebody who was open to the advice? I don't want to put you on the spot for all the people that weren't open. And I get, by the way, I get exactly what you're saying, because a performer, you have to be careful of egos. You have to be careful of, of you know, how they're going to perceive you. And you have to be careful that you don't get perceived like you don't know your spot. So it's got to be a delicate thing. But.
1: It is delicate. It is. And that's why I don't necessarily want to say who um, I was, you know, I mean, that's up to them if they ever want to talk and say, hey, you know, Lil did approach me with this or whatever. That's totally up to them. And I'm, and I'm cool if, if they do or they don't. I mean, I it's not about me getting credit or anything like that. It's right. really about the fact that I just wanted to help because I'd be backstage and I care so much about these superstars. This is the thing that um, a lot of people i am so lucky to work with because you guys' fans get to see their persona in the ring. You don't get to see them every single day and, um, and what they do behind the scenes and who they are, right? Like right. just having a total conversation, not even about wrestling, just about life and just getting to really know who they are. I was very lucky to have that. Um, and that's something I'm going to miss for sure, um, is to have that one-on-one because I just, I just got to meet them in such a different way that sometimes when they'd be like, hey, yeah, Lil, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you, then I'd be like, okay, so this is the way I, I feel like you're pushing your character to try to be this, but when I speak to you, you, you just have something so extraordinary about you already that you don't have to pretend to be somebody else, just zone in on that and what it is that you already had as a person and then evolve from that. Right. And they were like, oh, totally makes sense. And then all of a sudden it it worked because it was more natural.
0: Uh, Did you like, like when you first, early on in your career, and I think this is when they were also kind of figuring out exactly what the females were doing on the show a little bit, but... Mm-hmm. You weren't just a ring announcer, you know. They would they would put you in a few different angles. Every now and then you would do something in the ring. Like did you like when Lillian Garcia became a part of the show or did you prefer later on towards the end when it was like, "Okay, you have a job. Your job is ring announcer. Lillian is the ring announcer." And and we'll leave the action and everything else to the performers who do this over here.
1: Well, first of all, I want to say I don't believe there's such a phrase as just a ring announcer. Mm -hmm. The WWE, this is a machine. And like anything else in a company, you have different facets of what different people's role is to make the machine go. Um, For example, I wouldn't say the producer is just a producer. And it's a big, everybody has something that they can add to the product to make it what it is and if you don't have somebody introducing the the superstars to the ring it's going to sound flat or empty or Absolutely. you know what i mean like so for me i took it as a huge honor to be an announcer to introduce these um men and women to the ring that were bigger than life they're bigger than life in, in that they're just oh my gosh they put their bodies on the line they grind 300 plus dates a year. They really give up their personal life uh, in their homes and their, you know, their families and all of that for the love of the sport. And for me, that's what I mean, like bigger than life. It's just incredible. Um, so I've never taken this job as just a ring announcer. And uh, I don't like to hear when somebody, I'm not talking about you, but whenever I hear anybody refer that or somebody's been in that position and has felt like, oh, I'm just a ring announcer or something like that. It, it's like, wait, you're a part of a huge, huge machine. So I was just, I told them, I said, look, I love doing my job. And if this is what you want me to do, I'll totally just stay here. And then I'll also tell you that this is what I can also do. I can also sing if you'd like me to sing. I can also, if you want me to be in a storyline, if you want to use me as a prop, hey, I'm game. So whatever you guys decide. Um, and that's what they did. They decided, you know what, we want to try a little as, as singing, you know, the national anthem. Let's do that. And that was a big part because of the rock. You know, um, I think we've talked about that before. I don't know if you do that or not. I can't remember who I've, if I've mentioned that to you before. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I mean, he was a big part of why I sang the National Anthem when he found out that I could sing. And then he told the producers, and they always at live events played the National Anthem in an instrumental. And so they were like, wait, hey, let's try her out. You know, and, and I did. And by the third day when I showed up at TV, Vince McMahon heard about it. He's like, I got to hear this for myself tonight. <laughs> so I did, and, and that was it. I mean, that was Valentine's Day, um, which I performed in two thousand. And then next thing you knew, I was singing it at WrestleMania of that year, and then sing it at two other WrestleManias, and you know, sing it before every event. So I got used. Singing, and then I got used at, you know, the figure four, Jeff Jarrett and, uh, um, you know, Maga or what well, he was Jamal when, when he did the uh, Samoan drop on me. And all and, and then, of course, Visra, my angle with him. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun getting to be involved. At the end, they realized, you know what, they just went a different direction. They're like, OK, we're, we're the superstars are going to stick to things between them and, you know, want you to be an announcer. And I'm like, cool, whatever you guys want.
0: Right, and there's a there's an art too, because what you were saying about not being just something, to be able to concentrate right on doing ring announcing and being awesome at ring announcing will now the whole show is going to sound better. Because I think that's 100% right, and I th- I'm glad that you brought it up because I think there are so many different elements that go into Monday Night Raw or SmackDown or a pay per view that people. Don't even realize are there, and they're not supposed to necessarily realize that they're there. Right. It's, but but what should you strip any of them away? You've got a show that feels very very different and doesn't feel as 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 grand, I guess, or as big or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's and that's that's the beauty of wrestling. The other beauty of wrestling is also what you said, which is just the spontaneity of it. Like I love that you find out the reason that you got started singing in WWE is because one night Vince says, Whoa, "Wait, I got to hear that tonight. Or you find yeah. out like, okay, I'm announcing tonight. And they're like, okay, yeah, but you're also taking a Samoan drop or you, go, okay, right. well, then let's go for it. You just have to kind of show up ready to, ready to say like, I don't know what I'm doing tonight. I'll tell you after tonight, what I did, but I don't know what I'm right. doing.
1: No, <laughs> exactly. It was always something different. And, uh, yeah, but that's what I feel like if you go into this company, and I would say to any job, seriously, if, um, if you just go in with an attitude, or I'm going to try to be the best I could be at my job and then be open to other opportunities within my job and not necessarily turn around and say, well, no, that's not my job to do that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) No, be a team player and be open because you never know where it
0: leads you. So when, uh, when, when, you would flub. And by the way, I always thought the the flubs were always so unfair because you would do like a hundred ring announcements perfectly and then one would come up and that would be the one everybody remembered. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was always so impressed that like a flub would come up. And by the way, every ring announcer ever has done this. This isn't unique to you. But uh, what I thought was unique to you was your ability to snap back from it. Like I feel like if I – was in that position, my confidence would be shot, and I'd be shaky for the rest of the show. But you were always so good that you know, if, if if you know, you had a brain fart or whatever, you would let let it pass and then go back to doing the show as if nothing had happened. And by the end of the show, nothing—it was like nothing had happened. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, and I think I really attribute that to both my parents, who really taught me that. Hey, you're human. You are human. Something happens. It's really not. It really is true. It's not how you fall. It's how you get back up. Yeah. And you just got to keep getting back up. And a lot of people don't realize, like, I had to learn this job on, I mean, like, on the job training. (laughs) I didn't (laughs) know that I was ring announcing until I showed up (laughs) at Iowa State University my very first day. It's 3.30 that afternoon, and we're going live central time at 8 o'clock worldwide and that's how I got told. And by the way, you can't use two carts. Oh. So I was oh my God. Oh my God. I mean I really it's like talk about setting somebody up for a disaster. But it was back then attitude era. sink or swim. Go do it. Let's yeah. see what you got. You know? Yeah. And um so I had to learn on the job and it's it, ring announcing is not easy. No. it is not easy, and I appreciate when people say to me, um, "Wow, that must be an easy job," or whatever. Like maybe I made it look easy. Uh, I appreciate that. that's like a, a huge compliment. Um, and when I continuously get messages now and everything, you know, you're the best ring announcer and all that. I mean, it means a lot because I went through a lot to um, to try to get good at it. And you know, I I think it's funny because I I look back and I go, okay, so I I didn't have you know, the NXT and all of that, which would have been very helpful. But I think also there's been a huge silver lining to learning on a job. I mean, it's made me with everything else. Just, hey, go, go, just keep going, keep going. Just know you're going to mess up, but just keep going. And so I hear my mom, I hear my dad in my head with that. And, um, and then I got to the point where I would just laugh at it and go, Yep, there we go. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, what can you do? I and mean, why am I going to get so upset about um, saying, you know, uh, whatever it was that it was. And then I go, wait, somebody actually brought this up to me. They were like, Hey, not every basketball player makes every free throw and not every top, you know, whatever um, uh, a quarterback makes every throw so why would you be expected to be any different? And I was like, Yeah, you're right. You're right. That makes me feel better.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I think that it's that's somebody- right. And and it's pretty really. A, it's it's amazing that when you think you come in with no experience, they're just like, Okay, you're going to be a ring announcer tonight, and you evolve into something. And I and I think it's true. I don't think I'm just blowing smoke. That for for those of us that are a little older, Howard Finkel is the voice that's yeah. synonymous with WWE. But Absolutely. I think for the generation after that, your voice became Ugh. synonymous with WWE and and and
1: That means a lot. Thank I you. I think
0: when people think about ring introductions and even now I can hear it when JoJo or, or or any of the girls whether it's on WWE or NXT when they're ring announcing, you can hear that Some of these words, like I can tell the way the words are pronounced, and maybe it's just because I'm a nerd who listens to everything too carefully, but (laughs) like they feel like – I can tell when they're Lillian words. You know what I mean?
1: Um, you know, I thank you for that. And, and I've gotten that actually in my tweets and stuff. Um, you know, they've asked me, I mean, they, they literally asked me to help out Jojo when she was coming in, help out Brandy and all. And, and so I would give them my two cents. And, and one thing I kept stressing to them is, is try to create your own. Try to create your own. But it's hard too. And when you're, listening like i made sure when i came in i didn't necessarily know that, like i said i didn't find out that i was ringing out since that afternoon i just was told to show up so i didn't sit there and listen to somebody to learn how to do it so in sense it was a silver lining because i didn't have to get anybody out of my head you know i kind of just found my way
0: See, you kinda had to deal make with up your that. own style
1: yeah Yeah. for them it's a little harder I was right there in front of them still announcing and and all that kind of stuff so of course and and then I'm at being asked to to help them out and all um which voluntarily I mean like I I even told them hey guys any questions you have because it's 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 one of those things where I knew that I wasn't going to be there forever and I've I've told you from the beginning like I'm a team player that's what I've always done it's you know whatever you guys need. Uh, I think it's just important for the product. So um, they're they're great. I mean they you know Choja's doing a great job, and I know that I feel like she's finding her way for sure, and she will. And it's again it's um it's not an easy it's not as easy as people think for sure. And and, and Greg too. I mean it's it's they're doing a great job.
0: It's kind of amazing too that you were put in the position to be a teacher like that. Was there any? Insecurity at all Like are you the type Of person that doesn't like When the new person Comes in And kind of wants to Because in wrestling What do you hear You got to protect Your spot right Was there any Of that yeah, Or but you were also, you ready to, to to share What you had learned
1: You know At first when they were Asking me that And everything Of course that first intel, in, in sense It's like Oh my gosh Am I being asked To replace somebody And then all of a sudden I go No Lil You know That it's always Worked out for you To so just do whatever you know is a, is a team always think team first and um when you think team first the eye will pan out in the end you know yes. i'm a big I'm a, I'm a big god believer and i know i feel like if i just do the right thing that god will take care of me and sure enough i mean god has taken care of me as so much and i had such an amazing, like, I should say, I guess the comeback, you know, of coming back and, and the last, uh, you know, five years that I had there. Um, I, and even with my father, the way it happened, I left on such a high. You know, I got off singing the national anthem on July 4th and just had an amazing run back on WWE uh I mean on on uh, Raw and got to finish on Raw and um and then just seeing the the whole transition of the new superstars and the energy and the and then oh my god the biggest Wrestlemania ever I got to finish with that Wrestlemania it's like whoa <laughs> <laughs> so Yes, God took care of me. The company was great. And no, it wasn't trying to replace my, you know, find somebody place. But they also had to make sure they have so many shows. They had to make sure that they had enough enough announcers for all the other shows.
0: Right. And And, God
1: forbid something
0: (laughs) happened to me. (laughs) Exactly. Or or you go, look, my dad's sick. I got to spend some time with my dad. They're like, okay, you go do that. Luckily, we have this person. Exactly.
1: And And that's what happened.
0: Yeah. You know, it's a... it's such a good lesson though because I think people don't uh realize that enough because it's it's you have to think long term right because in the right. short term you can be sitting there going like oh my god you know the new person's getting this kind of attention and I remember when I was the new person and blah 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 but if you could just if you can just get past that insecurity that creeps in and and kind of yes. go beyond it you'll see right. that that kind of big picture of this is going to benefit everybody if I just Stop being paranoid, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think people, because I'm, I'm telling you, when you live in that paranoid state, I, I got to tell you, the world, everything closes off. Yeah. It's a horrible place to be. It's a horrible, it, the feeling is awful. So now you're not, not only you're not helping someone else, now you're paranoid. So you're not feeling good because you're not helping someone else and you're not feeling good because you're paranoid. So you're, it's a lose-lose.
0: And that's and a, I
1: always want to create win wins. Yep. I feel I like helping people. That is just in my nature. So I feel good when I can help someone else, and then in the end, it helps me because it it helps them and it helps me. It's it's a win win situation. And everything else would take care of itself.
0: And that's a, a Kevin Undergaro lesson. Uh, you know, it so, is who created <laughs> After Buzz TV and all that. That uh, if you want, he always says, if you want to get, give. You gotta give. Um You gotta give. And speaking of, of Kevin Undergaro and After Buzz T V and all that, now I wanna hear about uh about what's the, the next steps. Finally, you know, you spent a few months away from everything and just getting everything right. together, but you're you're coming back kind of into the into the public wrestling world a little bit.
1: Yeah, in a different you know, like I said, things just kinda work out and You just have to have faith. And when I left, I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do next? And then I couldn't even think about it because my dad, at that point, we'd really gotten the bad news that um, the treatment didn't work. Uh. And I was like, holy cow, how quickly are we going to lose him? And um, I I couldn't even wrap my head around it. We also, uh, my sister and I were full-time caretakers. Now we have somebody that comes in for four hours a day and kind of relieves us a little bit, and that's been a blessing. Too, and I, I will tell people, like, she and I started doing, like, we did a live chat, um, giving little pointers, and I'm going to be doing that more often. I feel like it's, um, it's something that, again, another way for me to help anybody else who's going through cancer or, or being a caretaker or going through it. Um, I'm learning a lot about it, and so I want to share something when I can share some with you is, is caretaking, uh, caretaking is, wow, it's, it's very hard, but it's very rewarding, but you also have to have balance. So, My dad was like, okay, you got to figure something out, Lil. I can't have you just be here, and just stare at me, and just stare at me sleeping. <laughs> yeah.
0: Are you better yet? <laughs> just, Are you better yet? Are you better yet? Yeah, Are you exactly. Yet?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? So he's like, and I can't, you better not cry, and you bet you know, and I, um, he's like, God, I'm not, I'm here. I'm here. I'm like, you know what? You're right. Life has got to continue. You're still here. You're still fighting. We're going to keep encouraging that, but in the same token, token we're going to figure out what is next for a little so, you know, Maria and um, Maria Menounos and Kevin Undergar, they were really great, you know, I, when I left and everything. And Maria and I have a lot in common now. You know, her mother uh, is going through a lot. Yeah. Um So, and she, you know, she she tweeted something or, or posted on Instagram the other day after at the party. I don't know if you saw it or not, but she said, you know, mom's taught me that you can't, you got to keep moving forward. You can't rely on the what if and just be focused on that. And so... um Talking to them, I um, I was like, you know, really always wanted to do some kind of show, and I felt like uh, I, I wrote something back in two, like two thousand six, something that I was uh, pitching to WWE to do,
2: huh.
1: and of course they're getting bombarded from everybody as to something for either then the network wasn't back there, but the YouTube was, and they're getting bombarded like crazy, and um. But one of the things that I had pitched to them is something that I'm going to do now. So I'm doing two shows. I, <laughs> not just one, two. Yeah, I love that's quite. <laughs> <like let's,
2: laughs> you're just jumping in not, head first.
1: Let's, yeah, let's just overachieve right <laughs> on.
2: <laughs>
1: so I'm going to do a show in English, and I'm going to do a show in Spanish. Oh, wow. And they're going to be two completely different shows. The first show uh, is called Making Their Way to the Ring. And if that sounds familiar, it's because <laughs> that was part of what I used to say all the time the following contest is scheduled for football, making their way to the ring. And what oh, it means it. is, yeah, it's, it's, I, like I said, I got to work with most amazing athletes in the world, people that have been on the road for 300 plus dates a year, putting their bodies on the line, have families that they leave behind, and are just, inspirational and motivational and go through such obstacles and they're not overnight successes they are people that have devoted their lives for this they and they they live it they breathe it and I want people to know them the human interest story of them and their journey to the ring and that is they're making their way to the ring and the ring is of course, we think of WWE, but it can be, you know, our wrestling in general. And that's, um, it can be the, you know, it's the brass ring, really. So I can't wait to dive into hearing the different stories from different superstars that I'm going to have on the show. And we're going to really, I'm going to give you a glimpse of who they really are. And I know that I can pull things from them because I know them so well that I'm excited that I'll get to share some of the things that I as as I was telling you guys that I know that I just wish that you guys could see this, I'm going to be able to say, hey, guys, you know, this is what I want you to tell the fans because this is something that made me love you so much, you know, and yes. um, and that's, I'm so excited about this show.
0: Do you know yet any of the names or the first guest or anything like that?
1: Well, you know, I'm learning from experts as, as in, um, I remember having this discussion with you on Saturday night when I – uh, with, you know, with you, with Kevin and all that, it's like, hey, so don't mention your guests because you never know, uh, you know, and learning from Maria and all, you never know what happens with people's schedules.
2: Yes. Right? And
1: so, um, I'm being very like listening to everybody going, okay, so I will let you guys know when it's closer to the time mm-hmm. and we're going to be, uh, definitely going to be launching this month. Um, I will have the date, the exact date. Soon, uh, I'm learning a lot about the podcast world. Congratulations on you doing this! Oh, <laughs> by the <yeah>. way, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm already going. This is not easy. You know how people think? Oh, think this is easy, and then they get in there like, whoa. Um, people think podcast maybe might may be easy. No, this is not easy. Yeah. not at all. Yeah, I mean, when you um, came
0: up to me and said, uh, "Oh, do you think I could do the podcast?" I was like, "Yes." I'm like, because like you 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 start all enthusiastic, you know, wanting to do it. And then you realize that you have to have a guest every single every week. week. And you're like yeah. you're like, wait, wait, wait. I I okay, I've gone through all my Rolodex, I've gone through all my friends <laughs> right? and right? I've been doing the show for two months. Uh, <laughs> where do we go yeah. from here?
1: <laughs> yes. So I'm I'm hoping that things will, you know, pop up all the time. Um, and that will be, you know, the saving grace of the show, but that's why I'm excited because I intend to have obviously superstars from WWE, from TNA. I, I really intend to focus also on independence, people that are really trying. I mean, I did a test run just to see, uh, we, and, and I interviewed and I'm not even going to say who it was because I actually want to have this person back on my podcast. Um, and it's an independent wrestler and the story was so, unbelievable and so inspiring and so compelling that I'm like, Okay, I'm having you on for yeah. sure. And that's what I mean. I like I just ha- I wanna have these um, stories on that people are listening and going, gosh, I had no idea that it was this hard to become a you know, a superstar. Um, yeah, so I'm that's that's the one show.
0: Yeah, and what's the and second then show?
1: The second show is called Luchando con Lilian Garcia and so luchando means Going for it, striving for something, fighting for it, and it's it's funny. It's part of the word luchador, yes, right, which means you know wrestler. So um, I'm so ecstatic about, and it's going to have a different feel. We are going to be completely in Spanish, or I should say Spanglish. We're going to throw in a little English words here and there, especially when you know I've been speaking English for a really long time. I moved. From Spain, I moved to the States. I mean, granted, Spanish was my first language. I had to learn English when I was five, which is why I don't have an accent speaking. Wow. Um, Yeah, uh, but I, you know, I've been here in the States in South Carolina since I was eight. And so I um, have been speaking Spanish way more than I've been speaking English. So there's a lot of words that I've forgotten in Spanish. (laughs) Um, So when that happens, it's going to be okay. Spanglish time. We're going to throw in that English word, and it's, it's funny because my I'm going to have two guys on the show with me, and they're pretty much in the same boat. And we were we were almost not going to launch, and this is one of those things that we were talking about perfection. I've learned don't worry about perfection. It's not about being perfect. It's about going out there and just doing what you can. And so we all decided, you know what, there's a lot of Spanish people here that are also in the same boat in that um, speaking English so much, you forget all the Spanish, but let's all just, you know, have fun with this. I love speaking Spanish, so speak as much Spanish as we can, throw in those little English words when we have to, and and just, let's do this. And already, it's just, again, we did a test show for that show, and it was like, oh, this is going to be fun. It's going to have a Latin flair to it. And what I mean by that, it's just going to be spicy. It's a, a lot of, um, a lot of laughs when we've got a, a game part that we're going to do on the show. And so it's, uh, it's going to be a whole different entity. And that was one thing that Kevin Undergar wanted. He's like, I need you to do two completely different shows. Yeah. So we're, we're doing it, but I can't wait to be speaking to these luchadores that really don't get a lot of airtime necessarily. If they're not in the WWE or something like that, and sometimes within the WWE, you know, Spanish speaking um, wrestlers can get lost in the mix. So now they'll have a place where they can come and speak and, you know, fluent in Spanish and have these um, all you know, countries like Peru and Chile and, um, you know, España and all these places that want to hear podcasts on Spanish. So, by the way, I mean, Sam, I'm making history. I can't even believe it. I'm so excited. I'm making history in both shows. I'm the first female from pro wrestling oh, yeah, yeah. to have a podcast. Yeah. I mean, I'm so excited. This and then great. I'm the first person and the first female from pro wrestling to have an all Spanish podcast.
0: And I think I told you this when I saw you over the weekend that like, not only is this amazing because podcasts are worldwide and there's a lot of Spanish language people. There are probably people who listen to this podcast that would rather hear it in Spanish, but it's not in Spanish. So they listen to it yeah, anyway. Thank you. But it's also like just the Spanish speaking native people in America. Like I told you in New York. The uh, Spanish-speaking radio stations always end up at the top of the ratings books just because there's so many people that that's their yeah. native language. You know,
1: right? And that's why I say, if my native na- language, um, I, I'm listening. It's so funny. I'm listening to Spanish radio and all of that now too to just freshen up on everything. Uh, it 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 it's not easy, you know. Turning the brain from one one mode to another. It's funny because I remember that Cesaro even brought that up. Like, he brought that up in the middle of the ring, and he said, look, if I'm not so fluent on the microphone, remember, I know five languages. And so, it's almost like you have to turn your brain on to speak that one language, and maybe some of the words are coming in a different language to you. And it's true. And I'm, like, so impressed that that man knows five languages. That's incredible. Um, I'm already, you know, with two, I'm like, okay, I'm tapped out. <laughs> 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 you know? But um, yeah, so I, like I said, it's one of those things that we're just said, let's just go for it and let's just see and let's see what happens and, and just um, throwing. And, and it's been, the test show was so much fun that again, I can't thank you enough for, for having me on the show so that I could let everybody know about it because I think that the fans are I'm excited for them to actually even get to um to experience me in a different way than just being in the ring and just you know saying the following contest schedule for one fall, yeah uh, which I'd love to do again remember it's it's something that I took a lot of pride in, but now I get to have a personality side of me that people necessarily really haven't gotten to see that um you know, my little Matina side. Then <laughs> we can have a little fun together. Yeah,
0: I think, and I think there's a lot of interest in that, and I think that's part of podcasting is you don't have to be perfect; you just have to connect with people. So I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Where are people going to be able to follow along to get all the information and to find out when the shows launch and and all that?
1: Okay. So definitely Twitter, of course, social media is always the easiest place in the first place. I mean, it gets even more updated than the websites do nowadays. So I would say definitely follow me on on Twitter and on Instagram. It's at Lillian Garcia. Remember that Lillian is written in Spanish. It's a Spanish word. So it's with one L in the middle. Yeah, because otherwise it'd be Be
0: Lillian. Right, because the double (laughs) L in Spanish
1: is pronounced like a Y. Very good, Sam. Very good. Right, I know. So, yeah. Yes, (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, and then the, the uh, Facebook is Lillian Garcia official fan page and so I definitely keep everything up to date on those. And then the website is at, uh is uh, lilliangarcia.com so that's easy enough. Um, on for the podcast it's so simple. You can get it on iTunes or we podcast anywhere where podcasts are found. It's through AfterBuzz TV and on YouTube. What's so awesome about this podcast as well is that it's not just going to be audio, but i got a beautiful studio that AfterBuzz is providing that you can see it on YouTube, so you can actually watch my guests and watch us in studio. We're going to actually have up-to-date wrestling news on there as well. Um, And so it's going to be very exciting. And that you can find on YouTube slash AfterBuzz tv and if you so wanna, all of that is coming
0: soon it's very very exciting and if you want to see uh, if you go to my youtube page you remember a while back i had a wrestler named chris hero on the podcast yeah I, I taped that podcast out in la and i taped it at the after buzz studios and i mean i'm only out there like you know two or three times a year but every time i tape in those after buzz studios i go Ugh, oh can you imagine if I could tape my podcast in these studios every week? It looks amazing, so I'm uh, yeah, I'm excited, and that's why I bring it up because you can see it there. But I'm excited for the launch. Uh, everybody, make sure you're following along with Lillian and you checking her website and everything. And it's definitely coming out later this month.
1: It is coming out later this month, and and what's so awesome, and I, I gotta thank Maria and Kevin again because you know they've allowed me also produce the show, and so. I'm, you know it's I, I nobody really knows this uh in that i went to to school when i graduated uh from uh university of south carolina go gamecocks um <laughs> <laughs> i um i majored in filmmaking and producing of uh, directing and producing so wow. this is just yeah and then i you know i was in radio for a while doing broadcast journalism and also this is totally up my sleeve and my and my uh, my zone as far as the love and the passion that I have for it. So I'm getting to produce these shows and and have a great staff there at AfterBuzz that are you know helping out. And I even brought my my sister in, who's the graphic designer, help um, along with Stephen over at AfterBuzz to help out with the logos. That's one thing I cannot do is draw, but um,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I uh, I got them involved in there too, and we all the three of us powwowed on these logos. And I'm so excited about that. I'm going to have merch coming out and everything like that, you know, in the future. And who knows where this is going to evolve. But all I know is that it just feels good to laugh and, and have something to look forward to and have my dad, uh, who's going to be sitting there watching my very first show. Um, because he's, he's really doing good. And I know he's going he's gonna to keep pushing through. And, and I, I really feel like he's going to keep pushing through the holidays. And so uh, I can't thank the fans enough. They, I remember posting not long ago, I posted, um, I guess it had been about three or four weeks ago. He really wasn't doing well. And the craziest thing we found out that the weekend he wasn't doing well, that I actually wrote on Facebook. I said, guys, I've been off social media because I'm trying to deal with the fact that my dad is really taking a hard decline. I mean, I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people sharing their stories and how to help me get through it and and all of this, which I couldn't do this without them. I read every single one of them. And we found out that weekend, that was the weekend that his best friend that he grew up with, Puerto Rico, uh, his best friend passed away that weekend. He was taken off life support that weekend, and then he passed away. And it was like, whoa, my dad was totally channeling him. Yeah. So but he got through it. I mean, it was just incredible. Uh he woke up that Tuesday morning, his friend, so his friend got off life support uh Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And and that weekend was when we were like, "Oh my god, we're going to lose him." And then all of a sudden, he, he snapped out of it Tuesday. And and now he's back to being coherent and like I said, he's, he's weak, but he's still pushing through. So, oh, I just um I thank you know, like I said, I thank the fans. I thank people like you. I thank Kevin and Maria that are giving me another opportunity to transition to just something else because I need something. I can't just sit at home and just, um, you know, be uh, not only have, not having a voice in, in, in wrestling because I love this brand so much, but is also just watching a man that I love just, you know, deteriorate. And so this has actually been very therapeutic therapeutic for me for sure
0: well i'm glad that uh that you found it and i'm glad that it's benefiting all of us too because we're going to get to listen every week um make sure you're following lillian along on twitter and facebook and go to our website for all the updates so you can be a part of this podcast at launch and uh, i'm sure we'll mention it here on this podcast when it comes out too to remind you uh but lillian thank you so much
1: Thank you, Sam. See, you're the perfect example of somebody else who has a podcast, but you're helping someone else who has a podcast.
0: Yeah, I and, mean, it's, and that's, that's the awesome thing about uh, podcasting, I think. And a lot of people don't get it, especially when they come from radio or whatever, that you're not competing for airspace. You know what I mean? Like you can literally right. download all the podcasts you want. There's no sort of, well, you can only download one. They're all free. They're all out there. However many hours are in your day you can listen and download to whatever yeah. you want so i mean you know when you have uh friends that are doing it or or, or people that that you want to support it just it's just good i feel like if there are people that i like doing podcasts it's only going to benefit my listeners to find something else to listen to you know
1: yes yeah. And I, I'm going to say this right now in front of everybody um, on record. I want to have you as one of my guests in the future on my podcast for sure.
0: Oh, my God. I, well, of course, I'm definitely going to do that. And now you can't you can't go back on that because everybody's... I won't.
1: Okay. I won't. Because I, I want to hear your story. I want to hear your story of how you got to love... This business so much, and how you even got into radio, and how you got into like I'm sure you have a story behind you that is going to be very inspirational that people don't even know um, about you that are going to make people even love you even more if they can love you even more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure they, I'm sure they can. I'm sure you'll get it out of them. <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Lillian.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks, guys, out there.
0: Here is Sam Roberts. So much fun chatting with Lillian Garcia. Don't forget to check out uh, that podcast as soon as it's available. I'm sure it's going to be a good one. And hold her to it. You send her those tweets as soon as that podcast gets launched. Every week I want you guys tweeting her. When's Sam going to be on your show? When's Sam going to be on your show? Because I'm very, very much looking forward to that. All right. We're a a week removed from Survivor Series. Um, I think TNA is still in business. There wasn't that much on the TNA front this week um, In terms of who owns the company And if it still exists As of now It's still on TV I traded a couple tweets with EC3 While the election coverage was on last night So everybody's still okay in TNA land So we'll probably focus more On WWE this week In the state of wrestling Let's get it started Let's get it started in here It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. So, before we get into the State of Wrestling, of course, uh, I did watch election coverage, uh, but I caught up on SmackDown uh, about 12 hours later. Thank you, Hulu. I have to tell you, let's not talk politics. There's enough of that in this world. I'm sure you didn't come here for that. But if you don't care about anything besides pro wrestling. This is what I want you to do right now for this exercise. Take your brain and remove everything except professional wrestling. Right now, as I speak to you, professional wrestling is the only thing that matters to you. Not your friends, not your loved ones, not your country, not people in general, not prosperity, not the children. Pro-wrestling is the only thing you care about. If that's the case, then it really doesn't hurt us to have a WWE Hall of Famer in the White House, now does it? Look, again, everything out of your brain except pro-wrestling. If you love pro-wrestling and it's literally the only thing you care about, then congratulations. Because uh, having an ally of the WWE as the president is is cool, Uh, again— Take everything else out of the equation. I'm not here to talk about the other stuff. Right now. I mean, I have a serious SiriusXM show. Where it's all I talk about. But on this podcast, it's not what we're here to talk about. What we are here to talk about is the fact that a guy who has been involved in multiple storylines, a guy that has taken bumps and given bumps. This is a guy who's clotheslined Vince McMahon, who's shaved Vince McMahon, who's taken a Stone Cold Stunner, who's purchased Monday Night Raw and acted as the owner is now, in a couple of months, going to be the president of the United States of America. We may have the first time ever that we're graced by the presence of a sitting president live on Monday Night Raw in the arena. It's never happened before. Obama, I believe, and George W. Bush both sent pre-tapes to WWE uh, right around the holidays. Uh, I think that was for the uh, tribute to the troops. But we could have a Monday Night Raw appearance from the president. Look, President Obama did between two ferns, right? Stranger things have happened. And Vince McMahon has, had, has, has supported Donald Trump for a long time. He's got to be psyched. He's got to be psyched. If, if for no other reason, because for Vince McMahon, WWE is everything. So the fact that he's got an ally and a fan of his product in the White House... He's, not, he's excited about it. He's excited about it. It'll be interesting uh, to see if anything comes of that. All right, let's get into the wrestling world. Um, you know, Chris Jericho, I, I don't know, I love reading stories about pro wrestlers getting into fights IRL in real life. I love when I find out that something has happened in the locker room and wrestlers actually came to blows. Like It it just feels so old school and cool to me. It feels like the way it used to be. Wrestling becomes real again. Because I'm like, yeah, they're going to fight. Oh, we're going to find out who's tougher. And somehow, Sin Cara is the toughest one out of all of them. I don't know why they're not using that. I don't know why they still keep him in that mask. I guess kids are still buying them. But if he can beat everybody up in the locker room, then come on. Stop having him jump on that trampoline to get in the ring and put him back on that lowrider bicycle. Bring back Hunico. Hunico looked like he could kick somebody's ass, not Sin Cara. If you were reading an article and you're like, Chris Jericho got into a fight because Hunico punched him in the face, you'd be like, oh, I could see that. I wouldn't want to mess with Hunico. If it's a Sin Cara punched him in the face, no, you forget about it. What do you mean Sin Cara punched him in the face? Sin Cara doesn't beat anybody. Apparently, uh, according to Dave Meltzer, Sin Cara is going to have to go to uh, anger management classes, actually, because here's the story that broke on the internet. I don't know if it's true. I uh, confirmed it with nobody. I didn't talk to anybody uh, in any form of the wrestling industry about it. All I did was read it on the subreddit and on a couple of websites, and this is the prevailing story. They were on a bus on the European tour, the superstars of Monday Night Raw. Sin Cara was back. Making ridiculous noises, he was annoying everybody. Chris Jericho told him to stop Sinkara said, "Make me." Uh, they got into a scuffle. Sinkara ended up punching Chris Jericho in the face. Chris Jericho bit Sinkara's finger. That's what I heard that's what how I heard it went down Now, I don't know I mean maybe maybe Jericho needs to go to anger management classes too because he almost got into a fight with Brock Lesnar and if you can't best Sinkara in a fight, then Brock Lesnar's not the guy you should be messing with I think that's just a rule of thumb we can all follow. If you if you can't, uh, Jericho needs to be considering himself lucky, because Jericho, I mean there was there was there was an almost fight with Brock Lesnar right after SummerSlam, but it never turned into a real fight. Can you imagine realizing that you almost had a fist fight with Brock Lesnar, and then finding out that you can't beat up Sin Cara? I'd be petrified. Why would I do that? Oh, was that a bad decision? Do you know the damage that could have been done to me? That's why I'd be thinking about it the whole time. I'd be so scared. But Chris Jericho wasn't hurt. And I guess Chris Jericho's a tough guy. I don't know. He blocked me on Twitter. Maybe he's been tweeting about how tough he is. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Look, you know, I guess they, they can't take him off TV for anger management classes because... He's at the top of his game. Uh, if I were Chris Jericho, though, I'd probably... I guess I'd be trying to mind my P's and Q's a little bit, but I guess he doesn't have to. He's a fucking legend at this point. He doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't want to. Not only is Chris Jericho a legend, but he's doing some of the best work in his career, so I guess he doesn't have to really do put up with anything. And if some kid is going to be in the back of the bus making boop-boop sounds... Chris Jericho is going to be the guy to shut him up because the other guys are going to get in trouble, but not Jericho. I don't know. I don't know how it works over there, um, but I think it's interesting. I think it's fun to talk about, and I love hearing that wrestlers are getting into fights again. Uh, I wish they would all get into fights. I wish they couldn't keep that locker room apart. It was the, Even when I was a kid, I remember hearing about the Bret Hart-Shawn Michaels fight when Bret Hart tore a chunk of hair out of Shawn Michaels' head. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. It made me want to watch Survivor Series more. There was a time when these internet stories would have led to an immediate Chris Jericho-Sinkara feud. And if that were the case, I would be suspicious of Sinkara picking fights with people. Because somehow now he's got a match with the most overdude on the roster. And he's Sinkara. I'm telling you, I'd take his mask off. And I'd have him beat people up on TV. That's my thing. That's like what I'm doing my radio show. If my producers are goofing around, I go, don't goof around behind the scenes. Goof around on the air. Use that, that energy to come up with content for the air. If I were a wrestling promoter and I saw a guy beating up guys behind the scenes, I go, no, 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 no. And then I open the curtain up. I go, go out to the ring. Beat those guys up. Just see. Just surprise them. Beat them up and see if you can survive it. Man, oh, man. Cara got into a fight. I think he got into a fight with Sheamus, didn't he? I feel like Sin Cara's gotten into a couple fights recently. He must not be very agreeable. All of us, we're all such wrestling fans that we probably assume that those guys are all just so happy to be there that they're just having a great time and they get to go out and be on Monday Night Raw every week. But apparently not. Not Sin Cara. He's ready to throw. He's ready to throw down at the drop of a hat. Don't take any guff, man. Don't take any guff. Maybe Europe wasn't agreeing with him or something. That's the other thing, too. You know, it's probably just the amount of time these guys have to spend together. Because I feel like you really hear about the horror stories um, on those overseas trips. When they do an overseas tour is when you start to hear about the horror stories. Uh, whether it's fights on a bus or the plane ride from hell or or people being sent home or whatever it is. And that's got to be just because they're away from home. Far away from home. They're hanging around each other all the time. You know, they're not just like in the arena and then escaping to a rental car to go to the next place. They're all traveling together. They're all on buses and stuff together. They can't get away from each other. So they must just go nuts. All this testosterone in there. They end up hitting each other and biting each other's fingers and everything. Man, I would have loved to see it. I'd be the worst person to be on that bus if I worked for WWE. I wouldn't even sort of break up the fight. I wouldn't even come close to breaking up the fight. I would just try to let him go. Just as the fight was like uh, 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 calming down. I'd be like, did you really just say hockey sucks, Sin What? You stupid idiot. And Chris Jericho goes back in for the kill. I'd love it. I'd love every minute of it. Oh, man. A lot to talk about this week uh, in the world of wrestling. You know, I was watching Raw. I I think, by the way, they're doing a pretty good job of building Survivor Series. It's a little rushed, and, you know, it's interesting. I think the reason it's rushed is because, you know, I guess SmackDown was slowly building towards it, but it being a pay-per-view where the two brands are fighting against each other, SmackDown couldn't properly promote it until Raw was ready, and Raw couldn't promote it until after Hell in a Cell. So now... Whereas SmackDown could have been promoting their side of things for, like, six weeks. Both team, both both brands only have three weeks to promote it. Although, I think that they've been doing a decent job of promoting it. Uh, I think the card is good and it's exciting. Poor Charlotte. Poor Charlotte. Scotland would not let her get that Sasha Banks fake out out of her mouth. It didn't work out at all. Like, I knew where it was going, but... They just would not let her have it, man. It's Dana Brooke, actually. It's Sasha Banks, but they didn't even get the moment that we were all supposed to think it was Sasha Banks, but then it turned out to be Dana Brooke because all the Scottish fans were just singing weird songs and stuff. <laughs> they just decided to hijack the segment. And, and you know, I don't... It's one thing when it's organic. I do feel like sometimes the the European fans just decide to Take Like, they go to the show with the intention to take the show over, which is different from it happening organically. I still come from the school of thought where you can never blame the fans. I never blame the audience for anything. There are some audiences that are worse than others, I guess. But, you know, it's I put the onus completely on the performer, the writer, the show. I put the onus completely on the show. The same way a stand-up comic has to deal with a heckler and... You know, and it's even, well, it's a little different, I guess, because in wrestling, you're supposed to have hecklers. But if I watch a stand up comic get bested by a heckler, then I probably want to buy a ticket to see the heckler. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that there should be no hecklers, and if there are any hecklers, how many times am I going to say the word? Then it's the comedian's fault. But what I am saying is if somebody interrupts a stand up comedy show, then I'm going to trust the comedian to handle the situation. Get the best of him and then kick him out—the heckler—that is. In wrestling, it's like if the crowd takes the show over, then you're kind of submitting the show to them. And as a performer, you just can't do that. Um, not that—well, I guess Charlotte did a little bit, but it's tough to do, man. It's like uh, years ago I talked to Stone Cold about it, and he was saying that the the what chance? Yeah, that they take away from the show. But if you change the cadence of your speech. If you, change, if you change the pattern of the pauses that you put in between your words, you cannot have people chanting what anymore. But if you talk like this and leave room every couple of sentences, then generally you're going to have people that are chanting what. You see? And you could have just done that. What? What? Because that's like wrestling promo talk. So if you just change it up a little, there are things you can do, but I guess that comes with experience as well. I got to tell you, my problem with Raw this week was I finished writing the show halfway through it, meaning I knew everything that was going to happen. Like, I I, I was really put off by the fact that every top-of-the-hour segment was exactly the same, meaning 8 p.m., they start the show... With all the Team Raw members in the ring, right? And uh, and and it's it's the world title picture. And it's Kevin Owens and it's Chris Jericho and it's Seth Rollins. As if like, whoa! Who saw that coming? Seth Rollins is being added to Team Raw. Yeah, of course he is. By the way, it's a badass team: Owens, Jericho, Roman, Rollins, and I'm missing one guy. It'll it'll come to me in a second. But it's a very badass team. Uh, and and I'm, excited to, I'm excited to see it. Uh, SmackDown team is great too. Orton, Wyatt, Ambrose, AJ, Shane McMahon. That's going to be a fun one to watch. And I can't wait to see what happens between Dean, Roman, and Seth. Obviously, we're not going to have the Shield reunion like we theorized we could. But it'll still be interesting to see. So, they start Raw at 8 p.m. with that segment. Then at 9 p.m., and they program the show so clearly. I don't know, like, SmackDown doesn't do it this way. There usually is a top-of-the-hour segment, and maybe just because I come from radio, so I'm paying attention to the timing of things, but anybody can do this. Right around 55 after the hour, they start their top-of-the-hour segments that are going to extend into that hour, and I guess it's a ratings trick, but it's become so clear and apparent that it takes away from the whole show, for me anyway. Maybe I'm nitpicking. But 8 p.m., they do that. They set up that the Team Raw members, men's team, do not like each other and something's got to give. 60 minutes later, they do the top of the second hour. It's the tag teams. And what do they set up? Gallows and Anderson calling people dorks, Cesaro and Sheamus, Enzo and Cass, The New Day. They set up these teams, do not like each other, and something's got to give. Sixty minutes later, third hour of the show. What do they do? They bring the women out there. And what do they do in that segment? You got Bailey and Charlotte and Sasha Banks making a surprise return. Dana Brooks in the ring, but she's not going to be on the team. Alicia Fox. And what do they do? They display that the women's team does not get along and something's got to give. It was the same top-of-the-hour segment, three hours in a row, and then, big surprise, we end the night on the Fatal Five way that we set up in the first segment. It's become so predictable and you know they talk about how three hours is a long time to put on any show and it is a three-hour movie all that stuff but when within you know by the by the by the bottom of the first hour within the first 60 minutes of the show if you figured out exactly how the entire show is going to be formatted it makes it really hard to watch with any sort of urgency It's almost like you've seen the show already. I didn't even read spoilers. It was a taped show because it was in Europe and the time difference. But I didn't even read spoilers. And I might as well have. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I liked the ending. You know, I liked Chris Jericho pinning Kevin Owens. I thought that was interesting. And as you know, I'm a strong strong advocate for the breakup of that team. They're getting pretty close, though. They're going to end up having to do that match at WrestleMania. Uh, But. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand why you formatted the show that way, as predictable as any show can be. It's like, okay, we're going to do the same uh, top of the hour segment three times in a row, a couple of purple rope cruiserweight matches, we're going to do the main event that we set up in the first segment, like every show, and then the only thing that really throws anybody off is that you've got some uh, bickering between the golden truth and the shining stars. And I love the Golden Truth. I love the Shining Stars. R-Truth has been on the show before. R-Truth, I think Goldust has been on the show before too. I'm big fans of both of them. That's not enough to carry a three-hour show in terms of surprises, in terms of twists and turns. I don't think so. There's more twists and turns in an episode of Law & Order SVU. And that's a third as long. you got to keep me on the edge of my seat a little bit. Right now, I'm slumped. I'm slouching. I'm way in the back of the chair. I'm not even close to the edge. I got my legs up on it, so they're not even dangling off. No part of me is near the edge of the chair. You know, a little bit, a little bit. There has to be some semblance of I don't know what's going to happen as opposed to I know exactly what's going to happen. And then somehow you have Sami Zayn beat Rusev after Sami Zayn has gotten, has lost to everybody, been bullied by Braun Strowman, I don't know, Maybe he's going to SmackDown. Maybe he's going to bring the Intercontinental title over. I do... um, I, I think... Here's what I would do. I believe that Kalisto will win the Cruiserweight title. I think that the division is going to go over to SmackDown because that way they won't have to have the Cruiserweights on the road twice a week and they're going to do 205 Live on Tuesdays. So I believe the Cruiserweight division will move to SmackDown. That's going to make SmackDown an awfully crowded show Hopefully they won't do the stupid purple rope thing because that does not work at all. Um, so I think that's what's gonna happen. If that if if I were running things, and I were thinking about moving the cruiserweights over to SmackDown, I would hold back Rich Swan. Rich Swan, hear me loud and hear me proud. <coughs> Excuse me. Rich Swan should not be in the cruiserweight division, and that's not because of his size at all. Of course he should. You know, his weight matches the cruiserweight division. But Rich Swan should not be in the cruiserweight division because he should be part of the main roster, part of the main roster storylines, part of all of that. Rich Swan is as talented as anybody on the show. I am such, such a Rich Swan fan. I think I, I think he's just I, I think he's incredible. I think he's incredible. So uh uh I can't wait. I can't wait uh, 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 to see what goes on with Rich Swan. He's entertaining. He's great in the ring. He's he he, he, to me. He's a major, major, total package. So I, I, I would immediately move Rich Swan into some kind of role on the main roster. Honestly, I would have him be the guy that Braun Strowman has trouble with. I think that would be an insanely great direction, and that's something nobody would see coming. Everybody's assuming that Braun Strowman is just going to be this unstoppable force until he wrestles The Undertaker or something like that, which is a waste of time, and it's predictable, and, you know, I just don't like it. Whereas, imagine if Rich Swann gave Braun Strowman his first defeat. I would love it. It'd make me the happiest little boy in the country. I think it'd be great. And, and and Braun could still come back, and he, he wouldn't be destroyed. You know, they just move on to the next thing and beat whoever he has next. And then Rich Swan would be made, like, for life. For life. That's exactly what I would do. I promise you I would do that. I think it's great. I still am in love with my storyline of Natalya taking somebody out before the pay-per-view. I think Natty really should be a Nancy Kerrigan type. A Tanya Harding, she should, she's got a Nancy Kerrigan, Naomi, out of the match, and when she does, remember where you heard it. It was my Undertaker thing, and it was my Natty is Nancy Kerrigan, uh, uh, Tanya Harding thing. That has to happen, has to happen. Um, I just think it'd be so entertaining. It's perfect for Natty, and it again, it's some, it's just good storytelling, and you wouldn't see it coming. It doesn't happen that often. I don't remember the last time something like that happened. Um, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be so much fun to watch. And then Natty's in the match. And, you know, she doesn't have to win the match. She doesn't even have to be one of the sole survivors because one of the sole survivors. There's three of you. You're not exactly sole. Uh, she doesn't even have to be one of the survivors of the match, you know. Because after Survivor Series, she's coming to SmackDown and she's got a built-in story with Naomi. I don't, uh, as far as Sami Zayn. I hope he wins the Intercontinental... Who knows? I could easily see Sami Zayn winning the Intercontinental title, Kalisto winning the Cruiserweight title, and then there being a trade so that Raw doesn't lose the roster, the Cruiserweights, that Sami Zayn goes over to SmackDown. I think there's going to be some kind of trade. Maybe they'll trade The Miz. Maybe The Miz will get traded, as was hinted on... Talking Smack, because I would imagine that the Cruiserweights are coming over. I just don't think, some of those guys are not on full-time deals, I don't think. So I don't know why the WWE would have them on the road twice a week. That's extra expense. I'm assuming they're just going to move them over to SmackDown so they can do 205 Live every Tuesday. Um, I I would definitely have Sami Zayn win the Intercontinental title and be traded over to SmackDown. I think he needs to be traded over to SmackDown because even if you... It it doesn't make sense to have the title. I mean, if you move the title to Raw, then at least you can do your Roman Reigns-Kevin Owens feud, champion versus champion, uh, and still have a secondary title at play. But then I guess the Cruiserweight title becomes SmackDown's secondary title. You know, SmackDown is really lacking at that point. Also... I don't know if you can do a champion versus champion story right now between Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns because the Jericho thing is too distracting. So I would trade Sami Zayn over to SmackDown, put the Intercontinental title on him, and just see what happens over there. You know, It'd be a bummer to have Dolph Ziggler, after all that, lose the title. But I'd be interested in watching a Miz versus Sami Zayn feud. I think Sami Zayn possesses a lot of the traits that Daniel Bryan has. So the same way Goldberg in my theory between him and The Undertaker, is taking the place of what would have been Sting had it not been injuries. Um, I think Sami Zayn can take the place of what Daniel Bryan would be doing had it not been for injuries against The Miz. You know, and and Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn are friends. Uh, I think a Miz-Sami Zayn intercontinental title feud would be really fun to watch on SmackDown and be something different, you know. And it could last a couple months It could definitely last going into the Royal Rumble for sure If not further Maybe you cut it off right before Wrestlemania or something I don't know But that's, that's definitely what I would do With the Intercontinental title match We'll talk more about Survivor Series next week Because it'll be the podcast leading up to Survivor Series um, I'm excited about doing that I think the Ortons and the Wyatts Or Orton and the Wyatts Are a great combination I think they're money together I really enjoy watching him, And it's like I said, you know, you don't change Randy. Randy Orton as the Viper, as the Apex Predator, fits with the Wyatts. You know, he fits right in with them. So I don't see it as a problem. I don't think he needs to grow a big beard. I don't think he needs to wear a gas station attendant uniform. You know, he can just be Randy Orton and go back to being that, that dark, Venomous dude That's what I think That's what I think Um, You know, and we'll also Of course, I talked about The 900th episode of SmackDown and The Undertaker Last week, they added Edge To that, it's a bummer that Rey Mysterio won't be at it Because of Lucha Underground Rey Mysterio is a guy that I really associate a lot Very, very strongly with SmackDown Um, So it's a bummer that, that, That Rey won't be able to be there There's a lot of guys That if they're going to do that, if they're going to make it the 900th episode and honor some of the important people that have come and gone through SmackDown land, um, I would hope that they'll be more than just The Undertaker and Edge. I think those are great picks. They're both very important to SmackDown. But I think Rey Mysterio deserves to be there too. Uh, There's a few guys. I mean, honestly, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar should both be there. But I don't think either of that's going to happen at all. You know, I got nervous for a second. I saw a uh, State of WWE, State of the WWE Universe was coming to the WWE Network. And I said, tell me they're ripping me off. Tell me they're biting State of Wrestling. But it's just a one-time special. And it's a debate format with the general managers and commissioners of Raw and SmackDown. I'm actually excited to watch that. Daniel Bryan has just been so good on those network specials because he doesn't care. That uh, it's going to be very, very entertaining Uh, So I'm excited about that I'm excited about a lot Uh, I want you to make sure That you uh, keep up with everything that's going on With Lillian Garcia She's now a friend of the show Uh, And keep up with everything that we're doing over at NotSam.com You can also follow on Twitter At NotSam, Instagram, Facebook The whole deal We're going to be back next week Here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast I'll see you then Thanks for, listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter,
1: Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts
2: Wrestling Podcast.